stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm joined by Zach's chief equity strategist, who we all know is also an economist, John Blank, to discuss all things about the economy again. Because the summer's ending, we're heading into the back half of the year. What does that mean? The global economy made it through the lockdowns of the spring, and most countries have now reopened, even though there are many restrictions, as we're all aware of. But most economies are seeing a bounce back here in economic activity. And even here in the U.S., even with uh, some more outbreaks happening, some more restrictions, but things are looking better than the spring. Now, John, we still have that kind of scary number of unemployment over 10%. That That's a little bit um, scary here, but the stock market, including now the S&P 500, breaking out to new highs. We're getting some tremendous reports in from the big retailers who were essential and they remained open, Walmart and Home Depot. And that is somewhat encouraging. Um, but what's happening now? What what are we really looking at as we go into the fall here? Well, Tracy, first of all, I think almost certainly, given the amount of Federal Reserve financial emergency stabilization funding um, in the trillions, in the trillions with a T, yeah, um, the stock market's going up. Okay. And it's I, still, it is still don't fight the Fed? Is that what you're saying? Don't fight the Fed at all. Okay. And don't fight the Fed until S&P 3600. That's the number where you could see a technical retracement and a correction. So 3600 on the S&P, that does not indicate, because the Fed is decoupling the stock market from the economy, that is not a reference to anything in the economy other than um, eliminating the dread and you know ennui of the financial journalism industry if the market were going down. Okay. So that gets us to the actual economy. And this is, as you pointed out, with 10% unemployment rate, not in good shape. And to give an idea of what 10% is like, this is sort of like the bottom of 0809. And so we are really not um, doing very well as an ec economy and are unlikely to do well through the election. But we also have a another source of volatility that's going to continue to get more volatile, as far as I'm concerned, which is the, the U.S. election. Yeah. Uh, and that number in November is very unlikely to resolve the uncertainty. It's probably going to increase it all the way through end of January. So this is the problem. Um, now, you spoke to the retailers doing well, the big box retailers, but just to give you an idea of, of the parts of the economy that are making up that 10% decline, it is very concentrated. It's department stores, they're down 62% this year. Airlines, they're down 55% this year. Travel services, they're down 51%. Oil and gas equipment and services, big hole, minus 50%. Resorts and casinos down 45%, and hotel REITs down 40%. So 
So the travel industry, the oil and gas industry, uh, and the department stores are getting killed. Yeah. That really, I mean, that is the 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 full focus of our discussion about a recession is that this isn't a recession. This is a de depression for six sectors, and the rest of it seems to be doing fine. So that's the distinction that's also kind of confusing to people is, you know, you're an online person uh, like you and I are. We are not suffering at all, and, and you and I know it. Right. Um, but you in those one of those six areas, you're not going down 10% in airlines, right? You're going down 60. Yeah. So that's the point here is, we do have a depression on an industry sector level, but we don't have one on a, on a national level. Yeah, that's what I think confuses a lot of people, and that's what makes it so intriguing right now. Like, I listened to the Home Depot conference call, and in spite of the 10% unemployment, or 10% plus, it's even more than 10% at the moment, they never once mentioned unemployment. They never once mentioned the word recession, they never, they didn't even acknowledge anything was wrong in that regard because the rest of their customers outside of those six areas you talked about are still working and they got the $1,200 a month or $1,200, you know, stimulus check. And so they are spending, but it's weird to listen to the conference call knowing that there's whole areas of the economy that are, as you said, in a depression, but yet they can be doing that well, that everyone else is putting in the new kitchen or buying the, the outdoor furniture. <laughs> That's basically it. And this is the story. I mean, the thing that have people struggle with when they talk about business cycles so generally, I mean, for example, you and I spent four years getting everybody ready for a recession that appeared out of nowhere. Right. And that was good news because the stock market went up <laughs> and you should have stayed in place with your house and basically ignored it, even though it was a recession. Right. 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 So my point is uh, language like this recession language is connoting a whole set of coupled activities and financial collapse, uh, real setbacks, long feedback loops that stretch on for years. And. The truth about recessions is every single one is different because every economy is different and every source of, of the problem is different. So here, it's not, generally speaking, it's excesses in the economies or a blown government decision. Uh, this time it's a virus. And in the sense, you know, you, you have pool parties in Wuhan right now, yeah. thousands of people done with it. And here in the United States, of course, we have, 25% of the world's coronavirus cases. So in a sense, this virus 10% um, unemployment rate is related to government failure. Um, it's a pass-through. The virus, poor virus management is, is you know, masking the government's failure because the virus, if you just said, hey, it's the virus, well, not every part of the world. South Korea is probably the best example, down about 4% on their economy, um, that tells you that there was a lot of difference that a government could make in this situation, and ours did epically poorly. Yeah. So this is the typical, what's interesting about the coronavirus recession is 
It's atypical in the sense it's caused by a virus. I haven't seen it in a century. It's very typical in that its exacerbation was caused by blown government policy. And this is, um, I mean, if you just think about a recession, it's got to be something really big that's blown. And generally, the only thing that's really, really big, Tracy, is a government, the federal government. Yeah. And so, I mean, I would throw a lot of Derrison and anybody who would call me on this uh, out of political uh, thinking I make a political statement here. I am not. I'm calling it on that the economy is reflecting the management of the country and the challenges it faced, and they were met poorly. And end of story. Okay. But where where does the um, Fed's actions plus the Congress's actions on stuff like the CARES Act, that $3 trillion that was pumped into the economy, I saw Paul in his last press conference, you know, praising the Congress for taking the quick action that it saved a lot of pain by, you know, moving as quickly as they did and that the Paycheck Protection Program, once they finally got it working, did actually work. But now here we are, we were supposed to have phase four already weeks ago and we have no phase four. There's and things from the other phases are phasing out now, including the $600 a week unemployment that's phased out. Where do where do we stand now? Can can Congress redeem some of uh, what's going on on the government level by, you know, finally stepping in with a big phase four package, or does it not even need to do the phase four anymore? Well, here's the thing. I mean, the three trillion we should have, we did spend was to lock people in place and keep them safe. Right. You know, Larry Summers, who I'm not a fan of, he made a comment that I am a fan of, uh, which was in the original package, 5% 5% of that money should have been earmarked to nothing but coronavirus prevention and distribution of masks and PPE and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so the truth was in March, the federal government should have had a rollout of a virus suppression coordinated across the nation that would have made that $3 trillion pay. Okay. So that money was just tossed into the toilet. It didn't work. Because the government didn't do its job. So now we're looking at a virus that, interestingly enough, may be burning out on its own. It went through the major urban centers in the north first, you know, ski resorts and whatnot. And now it burned its way through the south, which was kind of fresh ground. But we haven't seen the coronavirus, you know, really get bigger somewhere else uh, out there. You know, it has rehashes, but it doesn't seem like it just explodes. It needs fresh victims. So there is a side to me that thinks that this may, that coronavirus might burn out on its own. We really don't know the dynamics there, but it's entirely possible that's that's going to happen anyways, and that we're just going to kind of get the virus out of the way because the virus is going to get out of the way. Um, but that leads us to the idea of the stimulus. Really, at the end of the day, the thing that will drive the government to act for stimulus is September's two months in front of an election, and neither party wants to be responsible for not providing stimulus. So it won't be the virus. I don't think the virus will be enough, will hold the government accountable. 
We've already seen that virus cases don't matter to this government. I don't see whether their rise or fall should matter at all to the competence of this government one way or the other. Okay. Does it matter if we get one trillion or three trillion or somewhere in between at this point? Well, I don't think so. I mean, one of the things I was thinking about, I mean, if you were really, you know, concerned that people weren't going to back to your jobs because you're paying them too much, the right answer would have been to basically create a, you know, 20% premium on any existing jobs, um, private or public, so people had, you know, got covered for the risk of going to physical jobs and really wanted to do them. So one of the problems we're having here is not thinking about all the kinds of ways that the, you know, raising the minimum wage, you know, tacking on a, a wage premium, a tax credit to government, to, to businesses that hire. Some of that's gotten done, but, you know, more of that could be done. And then, you know, I, as I said to a different group yesterday, I mean, the $300 and the $600 a week spread is basically the difference between $300 is basically minimum wage, seven and a quarter an hour times 40 hours is about 300. And $600 is $15 an hour, which on the West Coast is 15 an hour is kind of the big thing you go march in the streets for. So what's the right answer? There's no way to, to write that down in six weeks, Tracy. Okay. Um, but somewhere between three and six, you get the agreement and you do it for at least till January 1st. Uh, so, I mean, if I were to advise, pound away at each other until the first or second week of September and then go with the number till the end of January, the first of January. Okay. I saw that Walmart is already saying that it's already seeing a hit from not having that extra $600 a week coming through because it's been about three weeks since they haven't had it already. Right. So they were saying it, their August numbers are showing a slowdown in sales. So what does it mean for the retailers then if they're waiting until, you know, mid to late September really to see some of that come back in? Well, you got to remember Christmas season is good shopping season for a lot of groups. And uh, so there's some seasonal, you know, Back to school, obviously, will be very weak this year, but um, Christmas season will be very strong, I would think. And uh, it's always tough because, you know, the problem with situations like this is, is it's not like the only cause of spending is the government stimulus, right? Right. Stock market's at record highs. Most people have jobs. Um, they, they're starting to get bored. I mean, they'll, they'll be less and less of the virus. So, I mean, again, just because the virus is declining, that might be the stimulus that puts those six or eight sectors back in play. Right. And that's what you need more than government stimulus. So I don't think, you know, people wringing their hands about the stimulus, um, they're over-focused on it. I think it is important. They'll get it worked out. It'll happen in September. And I doubt the economy cares. I think the economy is pricing it in. Okay. Or the stock market's pricing in. Right. Well, that appears the answer is yes there. because yeah, that's it. You and I are stock investors. The answer is yes, according to the stock market. Let's not fight the stock market about that. Right. So let's turn to the stock market. Where should investors be looking to invest here? So we have the NASDAQ busting out, but it's been busting out for a couple of weeks now. 
we have the S&P 500 now busting out to new highs. You're, you gave a price target on S&P of around 3,600, and we're almost at 3,400 right now. So that's a bit of a rally still to go if that level holds. Should, should investors be looking to get into some of these, you know, big winning stocks from the recovery, like for instance, Home Depot? Um, ticker HD. It's trading at 27 times right now, but those estimates will probably be adjusted a bit based on the new earnings report that just came in. But they said they were not seeing a slowdown starting in early August, you know, regardless of the $600, the people are still going to Home Depot and it's still over 20% comps in August. So should they still get it? Should I still be buying some of these hot stocks or even Walmart? That's also trading at 27 times. Well, yeah, I think so, Tracy. I think, I think uh, you know, you stay diversified in a lot of very strong names. We've made that case before. I think that's the same model. Don't overthink it. Don't, don't try to be a genius. Just buy these big core stable names. You know, I've owned Lowe's and the large cap trader since January. Probably the worst timed investment ever. Right. Up 30% now. Yeah. So, you know, wringing my hands about being down 40% in the middle of March with lows was worthless. Yeah. But what about if you weren't in already? Like, I've been, I yeah, I'm not in. First of all, I would not be buying gold. I think gold okay. is totally over leveraged. I would be buying more international stocks because of the dollar weakness on the virus story and a lot of other reasons is uh, making non-dollar or, or non-dollar denominated stocks do better. Um, and I would be buying just the real obvious institutional names um, that are somewhat beaten up on, on a profit-taking rotation. I've seen a number of my names, for okay. example, Cisco got beat up. Right. Why did Cisco get beat up? I don't know. Western Digital and Seagate got beat up. Okay, buy them. Because a lot of what's going on I see is there's certain technical retracements in the charts where people are going to go back to test those March lows on some names. And I don't know if that's a fundamental story as much as it is just a chart, you know, technical thing. So I'm kind of intrigued by any stock with a decent business model that's Looking like all it's doing is retesting its March or April low. Okay. There's not a lot of those though, right? What about the REITs? You mentioned, you know, hotels, resorts, casinos, all that. I would Should say out of trying to overthink it. That, that would be overthinking it because I got to, in that respect, I got to get the story right and the timing right. Right. Okay. So the six <laughs> sectors that you mentioned that are in a depression, the airlines, travel, oil, resorts, casinos, hotel REITs, all of those. I just stay away from those. Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, someone's going to get those names right and make money. Um, but really, I mean, if I look at my best stock pick, it was Lowe's. Okay. Right. And I say, okay, maybe buy Thor or Brunswick, but those stocks are pretty much fully valued and summer's over. Right. Um, so the, the, the typical summer stay-at-home stocks, the outdoor companies, probably done because the weather's gonna turn. This is the other issue. You don't wanna realize 
everything's about COVID. It's not everything's about COVID. And, um, you know, the, for the example, the banks might be a buy. Um, JP Morgan, you know, Wells, I mean, Northern Trust. I mean, <clears throat> some of those names are really solid names and they're beaten up. And you, and you say, fine, you know, I'll, I'll just write it out. But I think whatever you do, be somewhat humble on your timing and somewhat humble on the fact that you don't want to concentrate your bets because truly nobody really um, sees when the turns are going to happen on these things. Okay. Um, what about some of the big tech names that have really been driving? You, does does valuation matter at all? Do I care if I'm paying you know thirty times or forty times for Microsoft at this point? What do you think about that? You're the value investor. I'm curious. Before I answer, what do you think? Um. Well, I mean, those are mostly growth stocks here, so. <laughs> I stay away from some of them, but it's starting when you're getting at 10 times sales for Microsoft and it, it has growth, but it doesn't have that kind of growth. Yeah, I start to get a little concerned about jumping in here. Not if I already owned it, I'm just staying in it, but to jump in here, it's a little bit, seems a little bit, you know, stretched. I agree with that. I don't, I think the problem here is you can say, well, everybody's momentum trading, but you want to catch a momentum trade that's not too rich or you're, you're taking on more and more risk with the yeah. trade. So, yeah, I agree with you. These really stretch names, and you're, if you're not in them, don't get in them. And if you are in them, take some profits. Okay. You know, the Cisco's of the world, the Western Digital, you know, you buy Western Digital 35, you know, Cisco 42, 13 times earnings. You know, get the go ahead and get that one wrong, man. I That's fine. Right. So I agree. I mean, at the end of the day, don't chase something now that's been chased and chased and chased. Like, for example, would I buy Apple at 450 bucks? The answer is no. Um, I mean, in, in large cap trader, we've owned Google for a long time. We'll keep it. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not going to load in Google. Right. Amazon yeah. at 3000 I really think is rich. Because I think, um, you know, you do get a regime change out of out of that, and uh, and you can see the coronavirus reopening stores and changing a lot of dynamics pretty dramatically. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, again, be a, be very cognizant when you got Microsoft trading that risk. Just stay away. You're, you don't. You're you're basically betting that everybody else is going to keep betting. You're not really betting on the company. Okay. What about an area like home building? That's real hot right now, but that's kind of a coronavirus play too. Yeah, and I would say that's probably peaking. And because okay. again, you're going to get that wrong because the virus is going to get a vaccine and everything's going to reverse, right? Right. Um, for example, you can look at housing and really San Francisco's blowing up in the rental market, not LA at all. Right. They're um, all going to LA. <laughs> you know, New York, everybody in East Side doesn't want to buy apartment, but I don't think that's the case in Chicago. No. So I think, you know, the truth is, and then all the dynamics. So I don't want to be in New York and tell the virus vaccine, but then I get an apartment that's cheap for the first time in 15 years, and I get excited to move this from Chicago to New York. So um, don't, don't, don't play all these hands because 
thing about the cell thing is the vaccine, it can be just completely wiped the slate clean in six months and the market will price that in quicker than you can think about it. Right. And then you got the election and you can say, okay, that Joe Biden blue wave sweep, but then Trump can go ahead and contest it so badly that it's just a chaotic situation. Or he can just say, I'm contesting and the Republican party can say, sorry, we don't give a damn. We don't agree you too. So he walks out the door on, you know, a little early. So nobody knows history. Nobody knows the story here. And uh, keep that in mind that, that, you know, don't get too thematic on the market. I mean, the problem right now is thematic discussions like we're having don't actually play out. I mean, a lot of things work for very different reasons. Like, for example, the Fed can just pump this thing up to 3,600 because it's going to go up. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think that, again, I don't overthink it. If there's several trillion dollars in the chart, megaphone pattern plays out to the top end of the megaphone at 3,600. That's my call. That is my call. Um, so I wait until it happens, and it might happen in four months. It might happen in 10. Yeah. And so you, uh, but you keep the number in mind and you keep aware that any one thematic decision either, either priced in or you're over-focusing on that theme and missing the plethora of new emerging themes that can come to play. Okay. So it sounds like the advice is just buy good quality companies that really have nothing to do with COVID? I think so. I think so. I mean, look, I did that with Lowe's. Yeah. I like Lowe's because, you know, I thought it was a good thing. I bought Brunswick in February the 20th, probably the worst time trade in the history of mankind. Right. And I'm doing fine because I thought the summer boat situation was going to be fine. Yeah. So, you know, COVID augmented it. Um, but really, all it did is augmented a trade I already knew about. Right. In general, COVID didn't create trades. It blew up some sectors, but it didn't create new, like it did it create the fang bubble? No. no, that was already happening. That was already happening. <laughs> I mean, did it create the Zoom switch and this, this, no, Slack and Zoom were big already. They It accelerated it. Right. But it was such a surprise that it didn't create anything. Yeah. So the creation that will come from COVID the biomedical channels will be a next year story in the years after. Um, I think, you know, it will have deep ramifications on sanitation across the country. Restaurants, we've yet to see the end of that. But generally speaking, restaurants have always been a real boom bust, you know, short time thing. The, oh, gee, they're all going to bust. We got several, two, three here in this little town. I'm in that went bust, but yeah. We got 25 others that are running fine. Right. So, I, you know, you said in Chicago, I mean, are you guys going to quit going to dinner and partying after this is over? I don't think so. No. So, you know, you know, so one, one, one set of bars and restaurants gets closed. Well, then a new set opens with the stools and the signs and the waitresses and whatnot and, and gets back to business. So, it will create a lot of creative destruction, but as much creation as destruction, it's just a matter of when but the creation follows the destruction. Right. Right. Okay. Well, this has been interesting as always. I think we've covered a lot of things. Um, it, like I said, it's been a while since you were on, so a lot has, has come to pass, but I didn't really think the next time I had you on 
when we last talked last April, we would be talking on the day when the S&P was busting out to new all-time highs just a few months later, but here we are. It is, uh, you know, we've got a, a lot of money sloshing around out there in the system. Um, okay, let me recap some of the stocks we kind of talked about and remember the overlying theme, and this was true in April as well, is don't try to be a genius. I do like that advice because a lot of people do try to get all fancy and you really don't have to. So we talked about Home Depot, ticker HD, Walmart is WMT. I briefly tried to stick in their MasterCard. It is trading at 50 times now, but it is one of my favorites on the digital uh, currency side, MA. And then we talked about uh, JP Morgan, if you're interested in a bank, Wells Fargo is out there, WFC, the some of the FANG names, Alphabet, of course, G-O-O-G or G-O-O-G-L. Amazon is A-M-Z-N. Um, is that it? Oh, no, Cisco, we talked about them, CSCO and Western Digital, WDC, some of those have been beaten down. So if you're if you're one of those investors complaining that, oh, everything is expensive, then go check out some of these ones that, you know, maybe had a little bit more difficult on the earnings call or something where everybody fled it because you might find some opportunities there. I know in the Insider Trader, some of the insiders have been buying some of these beaten down as well, but not Cisco or Western Digital yet, but I have to go check. Maybe they are going to get in there. Um, so that covers a lot of the tickers and you can find more um, through some of our other podcasts because I'm doing stock picks every week here at the Market Edge as well as the Value Investor podcast. So be sure to check out both podcasts. You can subscribe and get to both of them on SoundCloud or both shows are on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. But be sure to get us someplace, and I'll be back again next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.